You're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. A warning, this episode includes depictions of violence, murder, and mentions of suicide. Listener discretion is advised especially for children under 13. If you're thinking about suicide, are worried about a friend or loved one, or would like emotional support, help is available. Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 to speak with a counselor today. That's 1-800-273-8255. It's the most wonderful time of the year, but for some, it's an equally terrifying time of year. Christmas might seem like the most unlikely season for crimes, but there are unfortunately plenty on record. For example, in our very first episode ever, we looked into the devastating death of American child beauty queen John Benet Ramsey. She was only six years old when she was found murdered in her Boulder, Colorado home on December 26, 1996. Her murder, which is still unsolved, became one of the decade's most famous police investigations. In episode 12 of the podcast, we discussed the bizarre disappearance of the Sauter children. On Christmas Eve 1945, a fire destroyed the home of George and Jenny Sauter in West Virginia. During the fire, George, Jenny, and four of their nine children escaped. What happened to the other five children is still a complete mystery. The chilling crime we'll explore today is likewise not a happy holiday tale. Harold Perelson's life story can be summed up in an excerpt from his copy of Dante's Divine Comedy, left open on his nightstand the night he murdered his wife and then took his own life. Midway upon the journey of our life, I found myself within a forest dark, for the straightforward pathway had been lost. At one point, Perelson was living the American dream. He had a successful career in medicine, a beautiful spouse, a loving family, and a palatial home in the Los Angeles area of Los Feliz. Then, in the early morning of December 6, 1959, neighbors awoke to the sound of Perelson's daughter Judy screaming and pounding on their door with blood-slicked hands. When police finally arrived on the scene, they found Perelson's wife dead on the bed and Perelson himself dead from a massive drug overdose, an apparent suicide. But even after Harold Perelson was long gone and the surviving Perelson family members had moved across the country, Their home stayed empty for decades. Though it's passed through a few different owners over the years, 
There are rumors that the house is more than just a memorial to that tragic December night in 1959. Some say it's haunted. Why did Harold Perelson murder his wife? Why did the new homeowners hold on to the building for so long, letting it fall to ruin instead of just selling it? Could Lillian Perelson's ghost still haunt the halls of her earthly home? Stay with us as we take a tour of the Los Feliz Murder Mansion. I'm Jaden McKell, and you're listening to Straight Up Enigmas. listeners, thanks for joining us. If you enjoy the show, please head over to Apple Music and leave us a review. It really helps out our podcast. Connect with us on social media where we post each episode as it airs. We're proud to be a member of the Straight Up Strange Network. I'll include a link to the network's Facebook page in the show notes. If you'd like to support our podcast, please check us out at patreon.com slash straightupenigmas to receive bonus content, shoutouts on social media, personalized messages from me, and early access to our regularly scheduled episodes. Without further ado, let's begin. Dr. Harold Nathan Perelson was born in 1909 to poor Polish immigrants. They settled in Queens, New York, where his father worked as a printer's clerk. Despite his family's financial problems, Perelson was academically gifted and he managed to graduate from medical school. After he graduated, he moved to California to make a name for himself in the medical field. He published several academic papers and eventually became a well-respected cardiologist and professor. Perelson married Lillian Silver, whose parents had also immigrated to the U.S. Together, they had three children, Judy, Joel, and Debbie. In the early 1950s, the family purchased a home in the upscale Los Angeles neighborhood of Los Feliz for $60,000, around $650,000 today. With 5,050 square feet, three floors, four master bedrooms, a ballroom, formal entryway, and more, the Spanish Revival-style mansion, located at 2475 Glendower Place, was considered a very grand house. In addition to everything else, it also sits at the top of a hill with a view of the surrounding area. Things were looking really good for Perelson and his family at this time. On top of being a busy professor of cardiology, Perelson was an injection specialist and had even designed a new type of hypodermic syringe that would inject medication from a sealed glass tube reducing the chances of spills or contamination. 
He had put a large part of his family's savings into the project, and he had taken on a partner with whom he had made a verbal agreement to split the profits. But the business venture turned south when, after working together for 11 years, his partner supposedly tried to steal the design to cut Perelson out of the deal. Perelson filed a lawsuit when he discovered that the rights to the device had already been granted to his partner without his knowledge or consent. Two years of legal disputes followed, with Perelson demanding $100,000 in damages, almost a million in today's dollars. The legal fees for the case, along with the Perelson's previous investments in developing the device, ate away at the family finances. In the end, Perelson was only awarded around $24,000, a disappointing sum compared to what was asked for. The family was dealt another blow when the Perelson children were involved in a car accident while 16-year-old Judy was driving. Another lawsuit followed, and this time, Perelson barely received enough to cover the children's medical treatment, not the $50,000 he was after. After all this, the family seemed to be in real financial trouble. In a letter Judy wrote to an aunt, she said, My family are on the merry-go-round again. Same problems, same worries, only tenfold. My parents, so to speak, are in a bind financially. She even mentioned looking for a job to help the family out. Around this time, the family told neighbors and friends that Perelson had experienced a number of coronaries and had to be in the hospital several times. It was later revealed that the coronaries were actually suicide attempts with powerful drugs. In fact, just before the murder, Lillian Perelson was considering committing her husband to an institution for the mentally ill. The Perelson's world came crashing down on December 6th when Perelson decided to end it all and take his family with him. At around 4.30 a.m., Perelson picked up a ball-peen hammer from the lower floor of the house. He returned to the master bedroom, where he struck his still-sleeping wife repeatedly in the head. According to the coroner's report, he hit her so hard with the hammer that it left an inch-wide hole in her skull. Perelson then turned his attention to the children. After entering the room of his oldest daughter, Judy, who was then 18 years old, he once again tried to hit her in the head with the hammer, but for whatever reason, his aim was off and she survived the blow. Judy woke up in terror to find her father holding a bloody hammer over her bed. Chillingly, Perelson told his daughter, lay still and keep quiet. Judy's screams woke Perelson's 11-year-old daughter, Debbie, who had gotten up and gone to see what was happening. Perelson saw her and left Judy's bedside, 
telling Debbie, go back to bed, this is a nightmare. Meanwhile, Judy had run out of her room and escaped to the street. She dashed to a neighbor's house and banged on their door with red, slicked hands. Before making it there, neighbors reportedly heard her scream, Don't kill me. According to Sherry Lewis, a resident of the neighborhood, Judy came to our door. I remember having my hand in her blood. I used to babysit the children there. I was supposed to spend the next night there, in fact. Back inside the house, Perelson went to the bathroom and mixed a large amount of Nembatol, a powerful barbiturate with water, then swallowed 31 tranquilizer pills. By the time the police arrived on the scene and entered the house, Harold Perelson was dead on the bed next to his deceased wife. The hammer was still in his hand. As authorities moved through the house and took stock of the brutality, they found that Lillian Perelson had not died from blood loss, but from asphyxiation. She had drowned in her own blood. Judy suffered a fractured skull and multiple lacerations that night, but made a full recovery. The younger children were unharmed. Why he chose not to attack Joel and Debbie will never be known, but maybe he lost his nerve when Judy escaped. Would he have also murdered his two youngest children if he had succeeded in killing his oldest daughter? On the nightstand next to Perelson's body lay Dante's Divine Comedy, open to a page that read, Midway upon the journey of our life, I found myself within a forest dark, for the straightforward pathway had been lost. We'll be back right after this. As the world's premier streaming service for horror, thriller, and supernatural content, Shudder is spooky 24-7, 365. Just because Halloween has come and passed doesn't mean that the scares don't continue. Sign up for Shudder and get access to the largest collection of acclaimed horror movies and series streamed right to your favorite devices. Exclusive titles available now include The Creep Show Animated Special, Leap of Faith, William Friedkin on The Exorcist, Blood Vessel, Scare Me, starring Aya Cash, Josh Rubin, and Chris Redd, and the Mario Bava Collection. You can stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense for $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. Shudder has been called the Netflix for horror, and I can see why. It has the largest, fastest-growing human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. There are new spine-tingling thrillers, shocking horrors, and edge-of-your-seat suspense added weekly. You'll have unlimited access to stream ad-free on all your favorite devices, including iPhone and Android devices, 
Apple TV, Roku, Xbox One, and more. Shudder has a unique collection of exclusive and original films and series, horror classics, and blockbuster hits. So, I recently watched Shudder's original Blood Vessel and loved the storyline, great acting, and special effects. It really creeped me out with its dark and suspenseful atmosphere. No spoilers, but I really appreciated how the monsters in the movie were more old school and based on folklore. Shudder has a vast selection of content, extensive international library, range of genres and types of movies, from old classics to modern favorites. Get started streaming the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content. Shudder's expertly curated collection includes titles like the acclaimed Tigers Are Not Afraid, One Cut of the Dead, Revenge, and the Creepshow TV series, produced by Greg Nicotero and based on the famous films by George Romero. To try Shudder free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and use promo code ENIGMAS, E-N-I-G-M-A-S. Once more, to try Shudder free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and use promo code ENIGMAS, E-N-I-G-M-A-S. This episode is brought to you by Best Fiends. After you finish listening to the latest podcast on your list, you could scroll through social media or do a deep dive on the internet, researching everything related to the show. Or when you need a break, like I do after browsing online, it might be time to change up the pace and play the mobile puzzle game Best Fiends. I love being able to take a breather from the heavy world of true crime by collecting best fiends, discovering their special powers, and exploring the world of minutiae. Best fiends is a casual game, so it doesn't stress me out, but it still challenges my brain with fun puzzle levels. There are thousands of levels and special missions. I'm currently on level 550, and am really enjoying the latest challenge of using reusable bombs to blow up crates and clear away slime left behind by the devious slugs. Best Fiends is a game that anyone can play. It's made for adults, but it's bright, colorful, fun, and really approachable. There are also new in-game challenges and events every month, so the game always feels fresh. You can even play without using Wi-Fi, so it's perfect to pick up when you're in the drive-thru or waiting to get your groceries that you ordered online. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this 5-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends.
After the series of horrific events on December 6, 1959, the Perelson children were passed into the custody of their aunt. Soon after that, the house at 2475 Glendower Place was essentially abandoned. It was sold in a probate auction to Emily and Julian Enriquez, neither of whom lived on the property. Decades passed, and the house gained a reputation for being virtually untouched since the murders, as if it were frozen in time. According to one of the more popular legends, the Perelson's Christmas tree and wrapped presents still sat in their living room, rotting away among dusty furniture. The Perelsons were allegedly Jewish, though, leading to one theory that the house was actually rented to a different family before the Enriquez family purchased it. And on the anniversary of the murder, something scared the family so badly that they fled, leaving their Christmas tree and unopened presents behind. Aside from being used as a storage site by the Enriquez family, the home remained empty of residents for the next 50 years. After Emily and Julian died, the house was passed on to their son, Rudy Enriquez, who continued to use the house only for storage and to house some cats. There were plenty of reports of Rudy visiting the house to drop off and pick up items, but never staying there. He left the main part of the house undisturbed, except for installing a security system to try and deter the constant stream of trespassers. But that didn't stop people from trying to see what was inside the infamous Las Feliz murder house. Amateur investigators looking through the grimy windows saw items like old life magazines, piles of letters, a dirty doll, a 1950s-style television set, and SpaghettiOs. Neighbors complained that squatters had moved onto the property, especially the yard. Hookers were coming in. Everybody was bringing guests up there. One night, I was sitting outside, and I noticed that people were over there having a picnic in the backyard, one neighbor stated. Some of the neighborhood residents pitched in together, to try and keep the outside grounds looking as presentable as possible and added a chain across the driveway. In the years since the murders, some visitors snooping around the property have reported a range of supernatural phenomena, including feelings of unease and of being watched. A woman claimed that her friend visited the house at night where she was bitten by a black widow spider. Then she accidentally tripped the burglar alarm. Two nights later, she said, the alarm kept going off at my house on my back door, but there was no one there. It was like the ghost was following us. According to author Brian Clune, whose book Hollywood Obscura details the history and hauntings of many different sites around LA, ghost hunters have recorded a large number of sightings near the house. A common occurrence seems to be the sounds of screams 
and moans being heard by intrepid ghost hunters in the wee morning hours. The hunters have reported hearing the sound of a woman calling out no in a terrified voice, followed by her frantic screaming and then silence. Another sighting involves ghostly apparitions. Perhaps the most reported events coming from these ghost hunters are the sightings of faces that stare out of the windows of the old mansion. The hunters tell of seeing the face of a woman staring at them through one of the upstairs windows. She will gaze at them for a few minutes and then simply vanish from sight. Kloon also mentions the appearance of ghostly floating orbs wandering the house. When asked about the supposed hauntings at the house, Rudy Enriquez dismissed the claims. I've never looked at it as being haunted, he said. The only spooky thing there is me. Tell people to say their prayers every morning and evening and they'll be okay. In 2015, Rudy Enriquez passed away, and in 2016, the house was finally put on the market. The asking price was only $2.75 million. Just before all of the items inside the house were removed in preparation for the sale, Alexis Vaughn was allowed to photograph the interior. Though most of what people described was inside the home, including the creepy old doll, no Christmas tree was found. I'll post a link to the portfolio of haunting pictures in the episode's show notes. In July of that year, the house was sold for $2.3 million to civil rights attorney and True TV personality Lisa Bloom and her husband, Braden Pollock. The couple planned to renovate it and removed everything from the inside. Just three years after the purchase though, the house was put up for sale once more. The owners are now trying to sell it for 2.5 million after stripping down many of the walls to the studs. The listing, which is still active at the time of this recording, reads, Attention developers and contractors, here's a unique opportunity in prime Los Feliz, a neighborhood that is home to movie stars, musicians, and Hollywood elites. Perched on a hill with sweeping views sits this five-bedroom, four-bath Spanish revival home on a large lot. Seller is looking at cash or hard money offers only. The listing doesn't mention that the house was the site of a grisly murder-suicide. By California law, real estate brokers don't have to disclose the information if the deaths occurred three years ago or more. But neighbors, true crime experts, and ghost hunters all know the dark history of 2475 Glendower Place in Los Feliz. What is still unknown is what exactly prompted Perelson to commit those crimes 61 years ago. Some point to the family's financial woes, while others believe he suffered from mental illness. 
all three Perelson children survived the incident, though none have been mentioned in the media since. What remains an even larger mystery is why the Enriquez family left the scene of the crime almost exactly as it was in 1959. Were they afraid of angering some kind of entity inside? Does Perelson's ghost still linger in the Los Feliz murder mansion? Or is it the spirit of his deceased wife that refuses to leave? What do you think? Find us on Instagram at Straight Up Enigmas or Twitter at Straight Enigmas and let us know. You can also contact us through email at straightupenigmas at gmail.com or through our website, straightupenigmas.home.blog. If you like the show, please remember to hop onto Apple Music to give us a five-star rating. It really helps the podcast. This episode was written and produced by me, Jaden McKell. It was edited by Austin Blackwell. The theme song, Straight Up Enigmas, was created by Chuck Flyer. I leaned on a lot of great sources for the research and narration of this episode, so be sure to take a look at the links in our show notes. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you soon on December 29th for a very special episode of Straight Up Enigmas. This podcast is a part of Straight Up Strange Productions. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.